0: ladies and gentlemen fellas 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 welcome back to the podcast and the youtube channel sal vetri here and we got a wgc saint jude the fedex saint jude wgc 78 golfer field if you're new this is the world golf championship they have them numerous times a year and the best of the best show up top eight in the world are here top 45 out of the top 50 are in this field you have the defending champ brooks keppa struggling as of late you have the runner up last year webb simpson in this field two-time winner at St. Jude's in this field, Dustin Johnson, and two-time winner 2016, 2017 in this exact field in Daniel Berger, the Berger himself. And what you're going to get now is the second year that we were playing at this event for WGC. It's normally a full field event, so the second year. So if you're looking at course history, you can see on my screen right now, I only actually have course history. Let me pull up the strokes game data. But I only have course history for 2019 because I don't want to be factoring it in any further than that because, well, when they're playing at St. Jude's in those other years, it's going to be a full field event. It's not going to be as strong competition. So I don't want to factor that in. I do not think it actually matters. Now, obviously how they play and perform there is going to matter if you're looking at win upside for guys like DJ and more recently, Daniel Berger, but I don't want it to skew too many results or too much of your thinking into other golfers here. Like guys like Phil Mickelson might have good history at the St. Jude, but is he going to have? Anything? Is that going to matter at all for him? Probably not. But is it even going to matter even more when it's a bigger or a smaller field with bigger names in it like this one is? I don't think so. And the other major thing to point out for people who have only really been getting into golf since the break or haven't been familiar with WGC events, they're no cut events. 78 golfers, Unless there's any withdrawals for whatever reason, they're playing all four rounds. So, what you really have to go for here is the best of the best. The cream of the crop are in this field, and you want to get guys who are consistent, right? When it comes to birdie or better averages, when it comes to just getting low, you want those guys in your lineup because at the end of the day, it's not going to be, oh, he had a bad Thursday. Oh, he had a bad Friday. He doesn't have enough time to make up for that because he's getting cut like half the field and all the top guys last week at the 3M Open. No, 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 no. This week it's, oh, Rory ended up going one over on Friday and he went three over on Thursday and he ended up missing the cut at most events at whatever it might be one or two under no no no. now he's going out and shooting 10 under on the weekend and he's right back in this thing right sitting there at 12 under whatever it might be like that's the opportunity that you have it, it, it's much less risky to play the guys at the top because the cut is obviously not there and they're upside and being consistent even if it's one bad round their three good or average or really good rounds are going to be way better than most guys in this field so when you're looking at the guys that are in that 9k and above $9,500 and above price ranges, where I'd probably cut it off around the $9,200 elite of the elite golfers, yeah, those are guys that can really get low, especially when they have four days to do so. And a guarantee four days at that. So welcome if you're brand new here. My name is Sal Vetri. I cover fantasy sports and a variety of different sports. NFL, PGA being the head honchos, NBA returning this week, depending on when you're watching this, excited for all that. Going to be covering it. If you do indeed want any further analysis from me, projections, rankings, I have a Patreon podcast that I put out once a week talking about my exposures, ownership, going through the strategy side of it, not just these golfers look good, the strategy side of the DFS, uh, betting video already up. You can check all that stuff out. It's linked down below on my Patreon, but I appreciate y'all being here. And if you would ever so nicely, because so many people watch these videos, about 150 people just from this video alone, I could tell are, are subscribing within it. YouTube tells me that hit the like button and that big old subscribe button come join the community totally free. And when you subscribe and like this video, even if you're already a subscriber notification bell, commenting, all those things, it allows it to reach maybe like 10 or 20 more people just because of yourself engaging alone. So thank you so much in advance. I really do appreciate it. We crushed through 23,000 subscribers. You all rock. And as always, $50 giveaway to somebody on the podcast. If you're listening, on the podcast or on YouTube, how you doing? You can go over to the podcast, Salvetri Show. Leave a review. It takes about thirty seconds to sixty seconds of your time for a chance to win fifty dollars. Just leave a way for me to contact you. That is down below in the description to get that. Why don't we talk about this uh, little course as we have here, right? So if I'm looking down at this right now, you can see that it's going to be TPC Southwind. It's going to be the second year as a WGC event. It's a little over seventy two hundred yards, which normally we wouldn't say that that's a huge course, but it's a par seventy. So it's kind of sneaky in distance. It's actually going to matter here in terms of your off the tee, in terms of your approach play, those two stats combined when we're talking strokes game. I'm looking at ball striking this week in a major way, along with some other things, but mainly ball striking as well. Immune to green, so they're going to play faster. If you're somebody who splits it down Into what the Bermuda Greens look like, that's fine. I'm probably not going to do that. Some more things. The first three holes on the front nine are going to be three of the easiest five holes on the course. The cut line, there is no cut line here, but in the past, it's been plus one, plus two, plus two, plus two the last four years. So it has played a little bit more difficult, and there's many water hazards on this course. So you're going to want to take a look at guys that avoid some of those bogeys, avoid hazards, that are good with scrambling. That's all going to come into effect. And the big things that I want to point out in terms of key stats is that driving accuracy matters here more than often. Ball striking is going to matter here a lot more than often. And you're also going to see greens and regulations matter. So those are things that I'm going to normally ball striking. I weighed a decent amount, but I'm going to be weighing them all a little bit more this week. Distance is a little bit above course average, but nothing major on average hitting in about 289 here. The course average is like 286. So like I said, loaded field top 45 out of the top 50 in the world. Henrik Stenson's making his debut since the the break Norris, Herbert Soderbergh and McIntyre are also most of them are cheaper players. 6k range options. McIntyre might be like 6,400 this week. So we'll get through all those. We'll go through all the price ranging as we always do. And let's just start right off with this 10 k and above range. And honestly, I should just say for the most part, 11K and above range, because we got some expensive golfers up here. But the beauty of it is that it doesn't matter. You can build however you want the 11K plus range. That's fine because there's actual really good 6K golfers at almost a minimum price and a good amount of 6K golfers that I'm fine playing. And the low 7K range is very strong this week. So if you want to come out here and say, I want to play Rory, I want to play Bryson by all means, do it. If you want to say, I want to fade the whole 10k range and start my lineups with looking ahead to the 9k range, Webb and Xander and Hovland, go ahead and do it. There's no right or wrong way. In my opinion this week, I'm going to have builds all across the board. So on the Wednesday live stream, you can tune in for that on YouTube, hit the notification bell. So you're notified. A lot of the times people ask me, what are you doing this week? I'll tell you right up front. I could already tell that I'm going to be having any type of builds are going to go for me, right? I'm going to be doing my projections, put them into the optimizer, filtering down a player pool a little bit. I mean, there's only 78 golfers to begin with. So I might only X out like a handful of guys, maybe get the player pool down to like 70. And at that point, I'm going to crunch the lineups and I'm sure I'm going to be getting a lot of balance and a lot of stars and scrubs because I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I don't like anybody in the 10 K plus range. I don't know how I can possibly do that. John Rahm making a debut as the world. Number one, he fits the bill of what I want out of ball striking. Every single one of these guys is a top 10 or top 12 ball striker. Can't leave being 12th, but every other guy in this field, uh, at least at the 10k and above range, is a top 10 ball striker. They're all fine when it comes to accuracy off the tee. Bryson hitting it off the tee and clubbing it off the tee can hurt a little bit here. And I guess that's the one thing we can point out. I do like Bryson. The off the tee will be an advantage here. The one part of his game approach is not going to be as helpful but again you're trying to get all that made up for when it comes to his off the tee play but it's a situation where if Bryson's not accurate and we kind of saw this a little bit the last time out and maybe I'll make Bryson a question mark because of this because there's at least some holes we can poke in him if he's not accurate off the tee the approach play can be a little bit of a concern and you have to be accurate here and you really want to be landing especially in a loaded field where there's no cut in a situation where your putting can really save the day for you and if you're talking about the short game and the putting overall for Bryson it is good I mean he's a six-rank putter in this field right now so it is very good he can help himself out there off the tee can maybe get a little bit reckless at times, and he's not going to be able to scramble as well on this course. So maybe that's my main concern there. But yeah, you have John at 11, four Rory. Now we'll see what kind of his competitive edges where he's coming in now, not number one in the world, but number two in the world. And the second most expensive player here, top five ball striker. When you're talking about accuracy in terms of drives, good drives, all that type of stuff, he's going to be right around top five in that department. Rory's probably my favorite 10K plus play um, because of the fact that you can afford him, right? If this was a situation where it was tight pricing, then yeah, go ahead and don't pay all the way up for Rory at 11,200, but I'm more than happy paying all the way up when I can feel comfortable about my 6k options. Now I will point out again, birdie or better is very important. Guys who are actually going to be competing on Sunday, these mega elites more times than not are going to be there more times than not, they're going to stand out in these loaded fields. So although there's some really good six and seven K options, and I'll talk about some of them, don't get too crazy with it. You can definitely build some balanced or, or stars and scrubs lineups and feel good about it. Cause there are guys that really do stand out down there, but you also don't want to get too over the top with it because at the end of the day, you do need guys who are were going to score low, which there's some of them, and also be in a position to actually pick up finishing points. So Rory probably standing out the most for me up here. Again, all these guys, I'm not going to tell you I'm fading any of them. Last week, I got 0% Brooks Kepka, and the rest of the 10K range. Obviously that didn't work out because the entire 10K range outside of Tony Fino ends up missing the cut. Now, Rory, you can say what you want about him struggling as of late. He did lose almost six strokes around the green at the Memorial, but he still finished T32. The rest of his game was clicking. That was a difficult course. Pretty much every guy that finished outside the top 10, even some guys inside the top 10, struggled at the Memorial. On Sunday, it was a brutal setup and especially down the stretch on sunday it was very brutal most guys started losing strokes in many of places but he was on 11th at the travelers pretty much picking up his game every single spot was fine john rom the new number one in the world i think whatever we got him at like 22 to 1 on that bet a couple weeks back when he was at the memorial we saw it at the workday he went eight under and then we were like let's jump on this he's 9300 ended up just popping off for the win ends up finishing first gaining 6.3 strokes around the green five strokes approach 4.2 off the tee all these things look fantastic if his off the tee game stays where it has been since the Return, which has been very good gaining 4.2 strokes two strokes 1.7 strokes I mean his off the tee game has been very good since the return he can actually be a very nice play here and obviously he's the favorite so I'm sure he's going to pick up ownership all these guys will be picking up ownership I probably go Rory and then Cantley in that order for guys that I like here Cantley the one thing that you can say about him just consistency in all parts of his game very similar to Xander he just picks up always massive ownership last two times out he's been 29% on the Millie maker and 28% on so like early in the week yes I like Cantley we'll see if he gets any ownership off of him since Xander's close to price. He's obviously around all these guys in the 10K plus range. Cantley usually for some reason is always around this 9,900 to 10,100 price range, and he still picks up ownership. The game is always consistent. That's the thing I can say about Cantley. Even when he's struggling in one department, he still picks up top 30, top 20 finishes. So I can't really say anything negative about Cantley. When you look across his numbers right now, the ball striking checks out. If you're looking at the off the tee game, that might be the only concern that you do have with Cantley, but it's not going to be a mega concern with me because he's still going to be like close to top 20 and off the tee play and everything else checks out for him. A very close, Second to Rory would be Justin Thomas because he's arguably the best ball striker in this entire range, right up there with Rory. You could even say he is the best. So I probably go Rory one and then like a, a 2A2B combination of Justin Thomas and Cantley. Nothing against any of these guys. I'm playing all these guys, so don't get it twisted. Don't be like, ah, you don't like John Rom. No, I'm sure I'll have some John Rahm ownership. It's just to a point where you have to rank them at some point, right? Getting down to a loaded 9k range now. This is a very, very loaded 9k range. These are the guys that I want to bet. If you my vet betting video is already scheduled to come out Tuesday morning, so I guess you haven't seen it yet, depending on when you're watching this. But this range of web Xander, Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland. These are the profiles I want to bet here, especially Webb and Xander. And I say, especially Webb and Xander because they actually have putting games. Obviously, Webb, a borderline best putter in this entire field, right up there with the guys like Patrick Reed. Xander's putter, he's been gaining strokes putting in four out of his last five contests. He's never had a historically bad putter, but towards the beginning of this year, it was up and down. But now more of late, it's been better. Uh, the guys in Victor Hovland and Morikawa, these profiles stand out, right? The best ball strikers in this field and in, in Hovland and Morikawa, believe it or not, they're one and two right there in ball striking. And they're all off the tee, whether it's uh, on approach, all these things check out. So I like those guys a lot. I like ninety five hundred dollar Morikawa. I like ninety four hundred dollar Hovland. I like them more than guys who have been struggling as of late. Even though DJ just won a couple a month ago or a couple weeks back, I still like them more than the veterans in DJ. I like them more than defending champ and Brooks Koepka. Who knows what's up with this injury? He's been playing pretty iffy as of late. Tony Finau, based on the way he's been playing at ninety one hundred dollars, I'll take him over Brooks and DJ, but I'm probably not going to get as much of him. I like this upper nine k range much more than the lower nine k range. Fitzpatrick did look good at a very tough. Event finishing top five at the Memorial, but I'm probably not going to go back to him. So pretty much below Hovland, not going to have much interest early on. At least ownership will always sway that. But from Hovland and above, I can make cases for every single one of those guys, including Berger on how he's been playing. Did start three under at the Memorial and then ends up missing the cut. Has one here twice, like we said. Hatton, whose game is very similar to Cantley, Cantley's like the better version of Hatton in terms of what their profiles look like, right? Cantley's very solid, like top twelve in almost every department outside of off the tee. Hatton's very similar. He's like top twenty in every department, um, and his putter and his off the tee will be the things that kind of sway him to either have a really good round, which the putter has been very hot as of late, or just kind of a mad round. So if Hatton's off the tee game clicks, he can be the best play on this entire slate at that price point. But I think you already have the off the tee game and overall ball striking clicking for guys like Xander, for guys like Morikawa, Hovlin, and then even Webb when you factor in just the short game that he's going to bring with his irons. So yeah, I think my favorite plays on the slate, like I, I, I'm not going to skip the 10k range in some lineups I will, like I'm going to play 150, but my favorite plays on the slate are those profile guys of Webb, Xander, Morikawa, Hovlin. And then the similar guys in the upper tier range that fit that build are probably Rory and JT the most in terms of just being accurate off the tee in terms of having good off the tee numbers and overall ball striking numbers when you factor in their approach play. And then they have a good enough short game. Rory short game and JT short game for their price points can get skeptical at times. That's why I look a little bit lower to Webb and Xander as always, Xander and Cantley, like I said, always pick up ownership, maybe with Webb sandwich in between, he doesn't. So I do like Webb. I do like Xander, probably my favorite plays in this nine range. But then right there is Morikawa and Hovlin, the two best ball strikers in this field, these young guns, and they've been playing a ton of golf. And now Morikawa has been battle tested. He just beat JT in a playoff, right? He ended up, I mean, I haven't seen anything in a while in terms of the demeanor being down three with three holes to play against the top three ranked player in the world at that time. He's still third right now in Justin Thomas. And then you end up to force a playoff and just hold your own. When Justin Thomas, is sinking 50 putters right and you're still holding your own at that point point. and then you have victor hovland who not as much battle tested won the puerto rico open he ends up being in that exact same event down the stretch with a morikawa and with a jt and just fades a little bit but he at least feels that sunday back nine pressure so i like that experience that you get from him so yeah those guys are where i'm going to be looking in the 9k range i think you can start a very good lineup with playing three of those four guys out of webb Xander, Morikawa, and Hovland. They fit this course very well. Uh, The ball striking and the accuracy. And then even the birdie or better numbers when you're looking at guys like Webb and Xander are really going to stand out a little bit. Like right now I have Dustin Johnson, Brooks, and Matthew Fitzpatrick as no's. There's only 78 players in this field. So there's a chance I play all of them, but I'm probably going to try and filter down my player pool a little bit. uh, Maybe get some fades 100% on some guys, but the odds are when I put no by them, I'm not getting 0%. I'm just not trying to prioritize them and likely won't be playing them in my higher stakes lineups. And again, this is Monday. The salaries just came out like 20 minutes ago so let's go to the 8k range now 8k range looks good and hideki honestly the price point's fair for hideki so maybe i'll make him a maybe but i just wanted to put a no on somebody in this range because obviously these guys have all really good price points but the issue with hideki for me is just like this putting is not getting better uh, i could argue that hideki is the worst putter in this field i could and, and benny Ann's in this field right so i could argue that hideki is the worst putter in this field right up there he's definitely a bottom five putter and it's just a concern right now even when hideki's game is clicking everywhere else except the putter which he's lost strokes putting in five straight events right now it's just bad and it's not just losing strokes barely five Five and a half strokes, two and a half, two and a half, 5.2, six strokes, right? He's lost strokes putting, like I said, in five straight. He's lost strokes putting in about 12 out of his last 13 contests. Even when everything else is clicking, because of the bad putter, even when he's only losing two strokes putting, he can't crack the top 20. He gained over six strokes on approach. He gained over 7.4 and nine strokes tee to green at the workday rock Rocket Mortgage, finishes 21st and 22nd. Now with this $8,900 price tag, that can actually pay off for you. that's like his best events right now because this putter is just broken. So at this price point, if you're telling me that you're getting like one of the worst putters in the field, like he's actually has a skill set that is really bad. It's a fair price point. But even then, I still like guys that are below him, obviously like a lot of guys that are above him. So if I'm just factoring it right now, Hideki's probably the guy that I like the least in the 9k range. And Jordan Spieth and Jason Day are in this range. It's just because you're factoring the price point. And oh man, Patrick Reed's here. And you know what to expect from Patrick Reed. Uh, I say it every time. What is the putter going to do? He's number one in birdie opportunities gained in this entire field. He's up there in just terms of overall birdie you're better. He's the number two ranked putter in this field over the last 30 rounds. Let me see who's number one in this field in putting Ian Poulter actually number one in putting. Yeah, he he was number two in putting a couple weeks back. He gained like 400 and something feet of putts on the, on the entire weekend. Fantastic. But yeah, if you're looking at Patrick Green, The game's clicking right now. Finished 10th at a really tough track at the Memorial. Gained five strokes putting. The last three times this year, he's gained five or more strokes putting. He's either won the event or finished in the top 10, all three of those. So the win was at the last WGC actually, back when we were in Mexico in February. So Patrick Reed's game, I think is clicking. If you get the off the tee numbers that you got last time, 3.8 strokes gained off the tee. And his off the tee numbers have been fine. His ball striking numbers are just being weighed down a little bit by approach, but I think they're still at least respectable for the price point. A lot of upside in Patrick Reed. I actually like him. I'm debating an outright number between him and the next guy in the pricing and Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy Fleetwood, you get the big discount, obviously a bigger field. He ends up missing the cut now, Tommy Fleetwood, you didn't see him for a while. He played pretty poorly at the API. Then he played like one round like everybody did at the players and it got canceled for when COVID just started breaking out. And now you see him go out of the three open and it was just the putter, right? He loses three strokes putting. Obviously, he wasn't fantastic overall. The approach play wasn't as much clicking. First time we've seen him in a while. This isn't a guy that I expect to really struggle with the putter all that often. Normally, you're not going to see that out of Fleetwood, at least not in a major way. So there's two ways of thinking about this. You can say, oh my God, Tommy is struggling a little bit since the return. We saw him struggling at API before. Maybe we stay away from Tommy or you go, it's just a putter. This guy's normally a good putter. It swings back the other way this week. And you're getting a guy who should normally be around like $9,400, $9,500 in this field for 8,700. So I'm going to lean on that side of it. I'm going to say, I'm going to go right back to Tommy this week. And I like the price point that you get on him. And then the final guy that I like a a lot, I would say more than the rest. So this range right here of Reed Fleetwood and, and Gary Woodland stand out the most. Woodland's been picking up a lot of ownership. He's been, I think, brick 75. I don't know if he watches these videos, but I believe on Twitter, you can check out his Twitter brick 75. I believe it is maybe underscore brick 75, but he posts a lot of stuff about just overall ownership. And he does some things like above expected ownership numbers that he puts out there. And I think Gary Woodland is like one of the highest guys on that list, if not the highest guy. So he's pretty much just going over owned. But yeah, Gary Woodland right now is a very polarizing player because it's hard to understand what's happening. Obviously on the weekend, he got extremely, extremely hot at the workday finished top five, barely missed a cut. Almost he had to make an Eagle towards the back nine to close it out to really make that cut. And then he pops off on the weekend for a top five gained seven strokes putting but his off the tee game was finally clicking right he lost strokes off the tee in his three previous contests where he finished ninth 62nd and a missed cut he was struggling but the off the tees checked out he finished first and off the tee at that thursday at the the workday and at the memorial he loses over three and a half strokes off the tee so what is this guy doing can we check it up to oh it was a really tough course the weekend got everybody you saw it got rory around the green i think we can a little bit gained six strokes on approach so what area woodland are you going to get today are you going to be getting, or this weekend, are you going to be getting the good off the tee, Gary Woodland? Because if that's the case, sign me up at this price point where he's been stuck the entire time since the return around $8,500. Hasn't really been touching the 9K, definitely not the 10K range. Yeah. Sign me up for Gary Woodland, a guy who just continues to gain strokes putting. You don't really have to worry about that variance too much. He's gained strokes putting, I believe in like eight straight events. The only concern, the around the green will not be great, but I don't worry about that as much here as I would have at probably Mirrorfield village. But the only major concern that I'm looking at is what does his off the tee numbers do? We need that this week. The approach play I can feel decent about, but we, we need the off the tee to click. We can't see three and a half strokes lost like last week. We can't have him losing off the tee like he has in four of his last five contests, but it looked very good at the workday. Something clicked there. We didn't see that the last time out. So polarizing player. Again, if you think he's turning a corner on the off the tee game, go to him. It might come down to ownership. Like if Gary Woodland's going to push like another 25% ownership type of a day, let's see what he was the last time out. He was 20% on. So he's been 28%, 22, 20% and 14% owned in his last four events. So normally a popular player at this price range where he's been almost every single time. And he's always a popular cash play, like 30% on in cash type plays. If not higher, he was 43% on the travelers in cash. So at 8,600, he missed a cut that week too. At $8,600, I'm fine going back to Woodland here, but I will just load up some of that ownership onto Tommy or Reed. Reed usually picks up ownership too, depending on what is going to happen here. Answer, I think I'm gonna put a yes by answer. I have him as a maybe two. We can talk about answer. I got him at 55 to one already. He's down to 50 to one in some spots. You could probably still find 55 to one numbers on him. Answer fits the mold of being a top 20 and really a top 15 when you factor in approach play and off the tee. So that gets you your ball striking numbers. Answer is number four in this field at avoiding bogey. So hopefully when these hazards are here in the water, a guy who hits a lot of greens and regulations, very accurate player hopefully a lot of that can start to factor into answer's game when we see him here. So yeah I like answer he's number five in fairways game, So he's going to be an accurate player. You're getting the accuracy, you're getting the ball striking, you're getting the bogey avoidance. You're not getting any elite birdie or better player, but he ranks 25th out of 78 golfers. So right around where his price point indicates. I do like answer. If you told me to rank it, it's probably too early in the week to do that, but I would probably go Patrick Reed, answer Woodland and Fleetwood in that order. But again, it's really hard to choose between them at least early in this week. Rest of the guys in the AK range, I could see myself having the one that I probably would shy away from would be Jason day, if anything. So he'll probably go out and win this thing, but Jason day, if anything, I think Ricky's game have been up and down, but more up than down. Spieth and Garcia, they're just wild cards at this point. Garcia's game and Spieth's game, it clicks one day, it doesn't click the other day. So that actually might be beneficial here since they don't have to worry about making a cut. But for right now, just guys that I have some interest in, but nothing stands out too much. And now we get to maybe the shortest 7K range you'll ever see, right? Uh, 7K range is only like 15 or 16 guys this week. And it's a—it's our normal like 8K range, to be completely honest with you. One guy who stands out right away. So we'll talk about Paul Casey, missed the last two cuts. They got him at 101 in some spots. I didn't take that bet. I have him as a yes. Now, maybe I'll put him as a Maybe to avoid people unsubbing because the last two weeks he's been in a lot of my lineups. My second highest home guy last week at like he was either thirty four or thirty seven percent off the check, and he obviously misses the cut. But the week before that, he ended up missing the cut because he shot pretty much a snowman on a par three. He shot an eight. And he still had a chance to make the cup, but he fell apart down the stretch. So Casey's game has been... He started off with a T32, which was good. First return since the break. And now it's been pretty bad since then. Back-to-back missed cuts. He's lost six strokes putting at the 3M Open. That's the thing. His putter is bad, but it's not losing six strokes putting bad. Let's see where this ranks overall. That was his worst performance in like the last... I would say, I don't know, eight years if I'm going back right now. So he loses six strokes putting. So I'm not going to factor that in too much. At the Memorial, he loses four strokes around the green. You want to know where those came from? When he shot an eight on a par three. So Paul Casey has been devastating a lot of us. He's $7,800. So it's the same price range he was at two weeks ago when he missed the cut of the Memorial. I personally, am going to try and take the emotions out of it. I think I texted my friend saying he's on my list now, but everybody missed the cut. So I kind of just said, screw that whole event in general. Tommy Fleetwood, 49% on the hat last week. He misses the cut, right? All these guys, Will Gordon, EVR. So Paul Casey Casey Casey, I'm going to go back to, I already know the comments that are coming. Fuck Paul Casey, screw Paul Casey. That's fine. I get it. You don't have to go back to him either. Um, but losing his like most strokes putting in like the last five or six years of recorded data, losing his most strokes putting in like the last decade of recorded data. I don't think that happens again. And then the Memorial just ate everybody up, especially when you shoot an eight on a par three. So I do think Paul Casey's numbers are a little bit skewed because of the short game. That's his worst part of his game, but I hate to break it to you. He sets up really nicely here when it comes to ball striking top six in the field, when it comes to accuracy off the tee. So uh, hold your nose if you want to, but I'll probably, be going back to Paul Casey, which is just sounding disgusting at this point and probably should uh not do that, but we'll see what happens. Sanjay M is 7500 dollars Honestly, he took a week off. You don't normally see Sanjay doing that. Sanjay has been playing very bad. He had a top 10, a backdoor top 10, uh, in his first event back from the break. And since then, it's just been kind of downhill for Sanjay. Miss Cut 58, 53rd, 63rd, miscut. I mean, one of the worst golfers in this field right now, if you're looking at last four or five events, is Sanjay, which is not something you're used to hearing. He has not gained strokes on approach since his top 10 at the Charles Swab, the first event back. He's been very bad bad off the tee and overall has lost total strokes in his last five events. I have him as a yes here just because you're catching a lower price point, but let's move him to a maybe because I mean, I haven't looked too deeply into him until like right now and it looks really, really bad. So um, Sanjay M at $7,500 is going to be a standout price. Stenson back in the field for the first time at 7,600. He's the guy who just pops up and plays well, especially at these types of tracks, right? The the WGC events. I have no issue if you want to get there. Probably not going to go to Matthew Wolf based on the price point. Like I actually think he's appropriately priced when there's a lot of guys who are too cheap right now. Stenson, I have a no on right now, but again, he might not pay pick Up ownership because it's the first event back. And don't sleep on him because his irons, at least historically and recently that we've seen him, have been very, very good. Now it's a different story off the tee, but when it comes to the approach play, it's been very good. We don't see the guy a lot though. He missed the cut at the Arnold Palmer and he lost three strokes putting, two and a half strokes off the tee, which is not a good part of his game. So it didn't look great. He did win the hero back in December though. Right now I'll stay away. Scotty Scheffler, similar to a guy like Paul Casey that just keeps ruining our lineups, but Scotty Scheffler sets up nicely when it comes to birdie or better upside. He has a lot of eagle opportunities. He's a good ball striker when it comes to just his off the tee game. The approach. Which play is good enough, probably above average in this field. So I'll be getting the Scotty. Corey Connors, I took one hundred to one hundred and ten to one outright bomb bet on. He just fits the course well, right? His around the green and putting sucks. That's about it. You can either play Hideki at eighty nine hundred dollars, who has a really bad putting game, or you can play Corey Connors, who's really bad around the green and short game, for I don't know fifteen hundred dollars less. I'll just go to Corey Connors in some lineups. The ball striking and off the tee and the accuracy is going to be some of the best. It's probably top ten in this entire field, which is pretty scary. The issue for him is like he's accurate off the tee. The issue for him is he just can't putt. So. The price point is not great. I don't need you to win at 7,300. There's no cut. So just go out there and don't blow up. He can actually get pretty low birdie or better wise. I think Corey Connors at 7,300. I don't want to say he's my favorite 7k range play because his putting is that bad that he can actually finish like dead fucking last in this contest. But I want to say that he's one of my favorite, probably a top two or three play in this range. Guys like Hadwin are very consistent. I just wonder if they can, he can get as low in this type of a field. Same thing can be said for Max Homa coming off of a really good finish. I wonder if he can get that low in this type of a field. One guy I will point out, Danny Willett at $7,100. I'm actually, Going to make Willett a yes. Been playing very well with the birdie or better. You know you're not really going to have to worry about his overall putting as much as some of the other parts of his game for Willett. It's just a matter of this guy can get very low, and he's seventy one hundred dollars. He's pushing the six k range. I do like that. The game in this field, the irons and the approach play is the only main concern, but everything else has been trending in a very good direction. Now the strongest part of his game is probably the short game, but right around an average player in every other department, and he's a below average price player. So Willett also stands out for me. I guess I'm not showing any respect to the winner of last week and Michael Thompson. He only made this contest because he won last week, so probably going to hop off of that. So 7k range guys that stand out the most, whether it's just basically, basically first look, whether it's just how they're playing recently, how they've set up for a course fit, whatever it might be, Paul Casey, Scotty Shuffler, Corey Connors, and Danny Willett. I think the more I look into it, I'll probably warm up to more of an Ian Poulter. I'll probably warm up to more of a Matt Kuchar. So Ian Poulter's right on the borderline for me. I can get to him a good amount. The concern is just the iron play. Like you're relying on a hot putter at that point, which we can go towards, but it's never something that I want to rely on too much. The price point's fair enough though, for Poulter that I think you can go back to him. And then I guess I can close it out with the 7k range on saying that neiman i do like neiman a lot i do kind of worry about and the price point's fair the iron setup here it is very much so hovlin and morikawa except just a guy that doesn't put it together as consistently so you can get a spiked week out of neiman this week only a GPP type play for me. I only play GPP anyways, but if Neiman's not picking up any ownership and say it's going to Poulter or Scotty and all these other guys, normally at this price range, not a lot of guys pick up ownership, but I'm saying it's like 9% owned. It's not 9% owned, but it's like two or 3% owned. Then I'll probably get some more Neiman, but for right now, he doesn't like stand out above the rest. The irons do stand out though. He might be up there with Paul Casey, potentially Stenson in this range of the best iron players in the 7k range. So Neiman does have some sneaky upside. It'll depend on what the ownership starts to look like. Before we get into the 6k range, I just want to say, if you would, please do hit that like button for me one time and also hit the big ol' subscribe button. And also the sponsor of this show is SuperDraft. 10 free Dollar Rooskies if you use the promo code south I'll talk about it at the, the end of the video, but I like it a lot because I played an MLB contest that was only 68% full. I thought I built a good lineup and I did, and it was so easy to catch. If you pretty much know how to build a decent lineup, you're gonna be cashing in there. 68% full. 32% of the contests didn't fill, but it's a guaranteed prize pool, so they have to pay you. So their contests aren't filling right now. It's probably a really good promotional thing for them, but it means you should be getting in there because it is by far the softest contest right now. Now, also myself, people are in that contest. Oh, and 32% of the field is just free money. Yes, it's a lot better than some of the contests that you're probably playing in on DraftKings, and the format's fun. It's not salary cap-based. You can play any golfer you want, it's just about fitting the pieces of the puzzle together if you have good projections that's all you need on super draft right good projections better than everybody else and a 32 percent not filling rate right no rake uh, rake free a lot of overlay usually that's a pretty good spot to be in so check out super draft promo code sal sal and also check out patreon if you want my projections rankings you could use those for super draft you can use them for DraftKings, of course and other content over on patreon with the nba starting up daily projections for that lots of other stuff. Check it all out down below. Let's get into these 6K dandies right now. What do you say? And now we get to probably the best 6K range you'll ever see, even counting majors, maybe not, but we'll end up seeing here just because there's not a ton of guys in the range. So overall, the quality based on percentages of how good they are is going to be up there. You have EVR. He's a top 10 like opportunities gained birdie or better type player at 6,800. Missed the cut last week. Everybody was on him. Other than that, he's been playing pretty well. I don't know what the hell happened last week where everybody goes out there and starts missing the cut. But EVR ranks about 14th in this field and overall, uh, birdies are better gained. He's up there in eagles gained as well. So it's a nice spot to get EVR at just 6,800. I assume he's going to be very popular after being over 17% owned last week, but maybe him missing the cut leads to him not getting there. Now, why did he miss the cut last week? Well, he lost strokes in the short game and he lost over a stroke uh, on the approach. So that was pretty much the main reason after coming off gaining eight strokes on approach to the memorial. So you can't expect that to continue. So EVR, if he's not picking up ownership, I like him a lot, but maybe a guy that I like even more than that is a guy who can spike some upside at $6,600, probably not going to pick up too much ownership. At least I don't think so. Hopefully not cross our fingers since burned Weisberger last week popped off. I think he'll pick up some ownership. EVR probably gets some more ownership to go back to him. And then I think maybe it gets factored out a little bit around this range, but I do like Brendan Todd been playing very well since the restart 11th to 57th and a 22nd since the return. He has three straight events where he's gained on approach the concern is does he gain off the tee or not he hasn't gained off the in back-to-back events so that's what you want to see out of brendan todd to feel really good about it you're going to get a very accurate player in brendan todd he ranks number one in this field in fairways gain number five in good drives and he's number four in sand save number eight in scrambling so in terms of all the hazards that are around this course you're just going to get an accurate and quote-unquote safer player who's then also above average when it comes to birdie or better he ranks 37 slightly above average in this field but he's obviously priced well below that range he avoids bogeys at close to a top 10 rate so brendan todd at 6600 i think a very fair price point. So Todd and EVR stand out the most, but obviously Stroman's playing great, right? Ryan Palmer's been playing up and down as of right now. He's looking fine. You do have guys like Shane Lowry with a lot of pedigree in this range. Matt Wallace, who can get you there with a hot putter alone, although the approach and the irons aren't as great. So I, I, I do like probably the most Brendan Todd and EVR in that order. And then going to the $6,400 and below range, outside of Benny Ann, I think I accidentally put him in this range. He's $6,500 this week. But looking at this range right now, yeah, a lot of guys stand out. You have Jason Kovacrack and Joel Damon. Joel Damon is $6,200. This is why you can play Bryson and Rory and feel good about your 6k options because Joel Damon ranks 14th in opportunities gained in this field right he's not a terrible golfer now although everybody owned him a couple weeks back and he didn't play great he ranks 22nd in fairways gain so he's very good in terms of where he's priced for his accuracy for his opportunities and going low he was just 22% owned at the workday and then he was unowned when he came to the memorial he ended up making the cut at the memorial but pretty much finishing dead fucking last here's the issue with Joel Damon he sucked at Merrifield Village very badly he lost 15.6 strokes and 9.4 strokes missed cut and finishing 74th second to last in that field Joel Damon has been very very bad and he lost 5.1 strokes putting he lost five and a half strokes on approach nine and a half strokes on approach the last time we saw him over 10 strokes lost T to green and back-to-back events. You want to know what happened? Both of those events were at Merrifield Village. So what happens if he just sucked at Merrifield Village? At $6,200, I'm actually worth saying, or I will say, okay, that's fine. He sucked at Merrifield Village. I'm fine going to a guy who was finishing 19th, 48th, and 20th before that at this price point, obviously has upside in terms of scoring low, has upside with his approach play without a doubt. He was gaining on approach and off the tee pretty much every single event since 2020 started dating back to all the way back to last October before he went to Merrifield Village. So maybe he felt that pressure of being high highly owned than DK uh, DraftKings DFS. But in all seriousness, you're getting a $6,200 golfer. I can pretty much slap the exact same profile onto a guy like Jason Kolkrak. If I want to talk about Jason Kolkrak, you're going to see similar for the price point opportunities gained. He ranks 20th. That's very good for the price point. You're going to get a lot of upside when it comes to his accuracy, when it comes to his opportunities gained, his accuracy, his driving distance is eighth in this field and his greens and regulation gained is 21st. So there is upside in these guys at this price point. I assume they'll pick up ownership. They also have the best irons in this price range, not named Benny Ann. So $6,400 and below, they probably have the best irons in this entire range when you factor in both uh, the strokes game approach and the strokes game off the tee. Another guy who stands out because of his off the tee and his overall ball striking numbers. Accuracy is a big issue for him, but he has the irons. Cameron Champ at $6,200. Then you got a bunch of guys down below that at 6K flat. And honestly, not a lot as we usually do, but maybe like five or six. None of them stand out. A lot of guys from overseas, a lot of guys making their debut, guys that usually don't do well on the tour. Perez is a top 50. So is Jazz. They're top 50 players worldwide, but they come over to the tour and never make cuts. So if I'm going down this far, I honestly probably just rather stick to Nick Taylor at 6,100. But $6,200 Joel Damon, Jason Kokrak, guys like Keegan Bradley even, they stand out the most in this price range to me, along with Cameron Chan. And yes, I believe that it's actually Benny Ann is dead last in putting if I think. Let me let me factor this. I think Benny Ann is the worst putter in this field. Uh, I know I talked about Hideki, but if we're just talking about like the actual worst putter in this field, if we're talking about last couple of rounds played, the worst putter in the field is indeed Benny Ann and also Keegan Bradley. So this is the issue you're going to get in this range, but also Hideki, right? Hideki at $8,900 is a bottom five putter in this field right now over his last 50 rounds. That's why I don't want to play him. But if you're going to play somebody who's a really bad putter, but has the top four upside around the green has some strong ball striking and tee to green numbers for their price point. That's Benny. Ann. I'm probably not going there, though. Uh, In the 6k range, I will have a lot of pieces of some guys. I already mentioned a couple of them, probably a good amount of them. 78 player field right now. I'm probably going to drop my player pool down to maybe the high 60s, somewhere in the 60s right around 70 so if that's the case a lot of these 6k guys will make some of my lineups maybe not a ton of them but that's where i'm going to be out right now thanks for tuning into this video i do appreciate it hit that like button before you go and the big old subscribe button before you get on out of here check out Superdraft if you want a ten dollar chance or just free ten dollars use the promo code sal i've been playing Superdraft a lot there's a lot of good spots right now i actually like it it is a a situation where a lot of these contests whether it's baseball or basketball coming up golf they just they just overlay so like baseball. I played in a contest. that was only like 68% full. You're pretty much, if you know how to build a lineup in any way, you're pretty much cashing that night. And that's happening on a consistent basis. So check it out. The promo code is SAL SALSAL. And then you can also check out my Patreon if you want my projections, rankings, my podcasts. I'm also, so we do a little bit of a uh, showdown format stuff over there as well. So you can check all that out. The big show comes out on Wednesday on Patreon, the podcast in depth about my exposures, more strategy talk, my projections, my rankings, all that stuff is linked down below. If you want to support me, appreciate you all so much. I'll see you in the next one, Wednesday, live stream. Check it out, subscribe and notification bell so you know when it's going live. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll see you in the next one.